we were in negotiations. Investing in real estate, they're winning, they're making money. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Real Estate Educators Podcast, where we provide the education you can build on. I am your host, Kevin Amalsh. I love this podcast because we help real estate investors and real estate educators make more money. So whether you're an investor trying to have some success or you're an influencer, this is the podcast for you. Please share it with a friend and give me a five-star review. I have a special guest today, Jason Muth. I'm excited to learn more about you. You're, you're doing a lot of short-term rentals, which is a hot topic right now. So you've been in W-2, turned full-time entrepreneur, real estate investor, all the accolades on Airbnb and VRBO, an expert in this niche. You run a property management company for short-term rentals. Let's dig in, man. How you doing? I'm doing excellent, Kevin. Thank you. It's, you know, hearing all that, it just gives me such imposter syndrome, to be perfectly honest. So I'm still getting used to redefining my life in terms of real estate investing and being an entrepreneur and short-term rental uh, owner and property manager because I didn't do this for a long period of time. And, you know, that's what happens when we redefine our lives, right? I think a lot of people who are listening are probably either making that transition or they have their side gig or they want to transition to something else. And, you know, work is such an important part of our identity. So I'm still recasting my story, but you, you put it very, very well right there. That's, that's literally what I'm doing right now. Like I'm doing exactly what you just said, which is running our short-term rentals and being an entrepreneur and running a business. And you have your podcast, which is awesome. Um, I love the podcast. So I want to hear more about that as well. Um, the imposter syndrome, man, I hear that so much. Like the leadership and peer groups I go to, that's like almost a universal problem. So not surprising to hear that at all. Why do you think that is? Boy, you, you know, we see a lot online, uh, whether it's on social media or we're sort of seeking the information out ourselves on Google. I mean, social media, we just kind of feed the beast. So the more that we like in certain categories, the more that spit right back at us. And then we see all these people that, you know, feel so much further ahead than we are whereas they might be or they might not be. And it's sometimes hard to tell that when you're talking to somebody or you're listening to somebody on social media. So, you know, I'm just as guilty of it. Like I'll, I'll we, we're seeking information, right? We're looking for info as to how to be better with our lives, with our businesses, whether it's operations or mindset. And we seek that info from others who we perceive already know it. So we always kind of have this feeling that we're not, that expert, but, you know, I, ha I have to remember there's a lot of people that are, you know, further behind. They look at what I do. They look at what you do and, and they say, wow, I'd love to be that. And, you know, it's hard for us to see that as people. I think it's, always, we're always looking for the next thing. We're always looking for bigger and better. You know, we're always aspiring uh, for more, if it's more knowledge, if it's more influence, if it's more money. And, you know, some people reach that point where they're satisfied with what they have and comfortable with who they are and others are just kind of seeking. So, you know, I've been on this, this redefinition over the past year, which thankfully I really got my start in back in 2016 and I kind of didn't even know it. You know, I just, it, it was something that we were doing all along on the side and it transitioned into what I do full time now. 
Uh, well, let's go right there, man. I want to hear about 2016. So how did you fall into real estate? I guess my father was a real estate appraiser and a sales salesperson, but you know, not of much noteworthiness. He appraised for a long time, so I kind of knew what the space was, but it never would occur to me that I'd be talking real estate all the time now. Back in, I think it's 2015, so I bought my first condo in Boston back in 2003. So my first taste of owning something was 20 years ago at this point. And, you know, that decade, I wasn't paying any attention to real estate. Like it was really just, I knew that if I owned my property, it was probably better than renting. Um, I was not house hacking, although I could have been. I had a second bedroom that I wanted, you know, as my office. I'm an only child, so I kind of like my space. These days, you know, everybody would look back at what I did from late 20s and my 30s and had a great condo in, in Southie in Boston and did not rent out the second bedroom and thought I'd be nuts, right? You know, I could have made a grand, $1,200 a month, you know, plus more for 10 years straight. Like that's wow. like quint quintessential house hack. I, I just didn't do it because I didn't know about it. Nobody, we don't learn this stuff in college. Like it wasn't really, it wasn't in my DNA. My DNA was you go to school, you get your degree, you go into a field. I went to a field entirely different from when I studied. You work really hard in that field. You work your way up. You just keep working. Like to me, supposed to work till you retire. Um, so, you know, somewhere around, frankly, 2015, you know, after I sold that condo, made some money on it, put it into my second condo in, in Boston, which we did really, really, that, that neighborhood is hot. South Boston is really, really hot. Like a lot of this is luck because frankly, um, you know, we parlayed the successes there with the, you know, our, you know, my home into a number of investments. But 2015, we discovered bigger pockets. And, you know, it's a community that a lot of people that are listening to this or that listen to real estate podcasts are very, very familiar with. I will say we're extremely proud that today we actually just interviewed Dave Meyer from Bigger Pockets on our podcast. Uh, so I'm not sure when this will come out and when that one will come out, but it'll probably come out around the same time. And that's a, a story that I'll leave for that podcast because it's very, very funny as to how I acquainted myself to Dave. But, you know, these guys are celebrities, right? They're rock stars. Like if you are really in the real estate space and you find your way to bigger pockets, it's like you've opened up your mind to the way that lots of people are doing it. People are so giving with their information. I'm sure some of it is bragging, but more of it is just like they've been there and they want to explain to other people uh, what they've done. And this was legit back in 2015. Like I actually just looked at the date of my bigger pockets profile and it was 2015. Um, before we bought our first second home. So we'd listen and listen and listen. And Rory, my husband, who is another host on the Real Estate Law podcast that you've been a guest on, we would just listen in the car. And I'd pause the podcast and be like, all right, Rory, explain to me, what was that? Like, what, what yeah. did that, what did they just say right there? Because, you know, this was his world. He's a real estate attorney. He gets it. So fast forward to 2016, and we are staying at a house up at a lake in New Hampshire, which is two doors down from where Rory's parents had a second home that they kind of did a fix and flip. It's now their retirement home, frankly. But they were buying these little homes that were old pre-season camps around this lake. You know, the wells weren't that deep. They weren't winterized back in the day. Since a lot of those properties have since kind of caught up to four-season homes and people do live there year-round. So we were staying at their property that they were actually Airbnb themselves. They were short-term renting it before I was even doing it. 
And the bed was awful. It was so bad. I've told this story so many times how the springs are like in your back. And I'm like, I can't sleep on this bed. So like we're out on the pull-out couch and like the sun is screaming in the window at five, four thirty in the morning, you know, because it's the dead of summer. My dog, I didn't clip her fingernails. So she was like, you know, walking around the, the floor and I'm waking up so early and I'm saying, I can't stay in this place, but I know I'm going to be coming up to this lake a lot in the future, especially if we have children, which we now do. So randomly, we were on a walk down the street and there was a for sale sign in a house. And I'm like, let's go take a look at it. Like, I don't, you know, or I looked it up. It's been on the market for three months. Price reduction. Imagine this, you know, these days. We didn't know what was wrong with it. I was convinced it smelled like pat, you know, cat pee or something. Go inside, check it out. And it's great. It's a great home. Just dated and needed a little TLC. And we said, all right, let's, you know, hey, let's give it a shot. Like, we have a little bit of money that we've invested. Um, have some money to put down for the down payment. The house cost $192,000. We had, I'd won almost half the down payment in Las Vegas that year on a random occurrence playing, what was it playing? Three card poker, five card wow. poker, whatever I mean, it was. And not I, I, real estate advice here. No, it's not. Do not, do not. No, no. But I love, I, I, I love, I love gambling, but to the level of like $5 bets, $10 bets. Like, you know, I was just having this conversation this weekend where, you know, I, I love being part of it, but like I definitely have my limits. The money I won was on a $15 bet. I hit a royal flush. Whoa. I know. On this casino game was where it like a machine, like one of those machine games? No, it was it was a table game and it was it was three three card poker. They gave you I think it was not three card poker, but they gave you two cards down and there's three community cards. And you're allowed to take back two of your bets and the last one has to remain up there. But you know, I ended up having two cards that were to the Royal Flush, and they flipped over a third. And then, oh, no, you had three cards, and they had two community cards. And I ended up getting the Royal Flush. Anyway, like, everybody jumped on the table. The odds are 637 to 1 to get this. Oh. I, did not, I did not make the side bet, the $5 side bet, which would have won me $400,000. But what I learned there was I was grateful with the win that I had because I walked yeah. in there with 200 bucks and I walked out with 15000 and I took that money and I put it down on real estate. So that's where the story does come back to real estate. And that that is good advice. If you do it any money gambling, go put it down in real estate. <laughs> there you go. And, you know, that was back in 2016. And we said we don't know anything about short-term rentals. It was before the big boom of STRs and before everyone and their mother and their sister and their cousin and their coworkers are doing it. And we just said, hey, let's give it a shot. Like I have this $691 a month mortgage to pay now. Let's figure out a way to pay it, and maybe the property will go up in value. And, you know, fast forward to today, I do it full-time. Um, my job ended last year, and I have five properties that we own and a business that manages short-term rentals. And, you know, the that one property, the first year did 24000 I think, and this year it's probably going to do over seventy, you know, in gross. Plus, it's gone up, like, doubled in value. It's like, you know, everything that we hear about why invest in real estate, that was the classic property to do it. And that fueled the next one. Fueled the next one. Like, just keeps spiraling. So fun. What a great story. I can tell you, I've never heard someone say they won their down payment gambling at cards. So that's, that's a new one. Um, 
congratulations for the win. Congratulations for the the purchase of your first short-term rental. I should say that like, I don't want to class myself as a gambler. I did used to bet with my grandfather, 25 cents a game with football back when I was four years old. So like, it's probably deep, deep down in my DNA, but you know, back when I was like 21 years old, I go to the casino and you bring 300 bucks, right? You, you lose it. It's like, that's a big deal. Today in my late forties, I'll probably still bring 300 bucks to the casino. All right. So like, mm-hmm. Adjusted for inflation, like I'm certainly not adjusting at all. Like, you know, the I get I get as much of a rise in just kind of being a part of the scene. I don't really need to escalate my bets because I know that you make your money elsewhere and the house always wins. So Yeah, exactly. And I know a lot of people that then enjoy it, but it's it's an it's like in their entertainment budget, right? They're not expecting oh, 100%. to win or anything. Uh, my gambling consists of fantasy football. So that's that's about as far as I go. Fifty bucks for the entire season. Perfect. <laughs> As long as you don't finish last, because then you have to do some crazy stuff. Like, did you? There was some guy I just saw last week that he lost his fantasy football pool, and they made him take seven consecutive flights over the course of two days just around the country. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, no, that's funny. No, we don't do anything like that. No, it used to be yeah. fun. You have to carry around your toilet bowl or something and your little toilet trophy or something, but we don't yeah. do anything crazy like that. All right. So you say you, you kind of fell into it, which I guess I could kind of agree with because you were buying it for your own use and you kind of turned it into income. So that's great that you, that you saw that. But you were already on bigger pockets, it sounds like. So you were starting to research and learn about this. And mm-hmm. what made you get excited about real estate? I guess before that first purchase, what made you even find bigger pockets? Boy, that that's a incredibly interesting question. I don't know. I think at that point in my working career, I was probably I probably had enough money saved up. I worked for Comcast for a while and I was a sales manager there. So we had some stock that I was able to purchase a discount over my time there and they were a really great employer. So I probably had some money saved up and I said, you know, I, I should probably invest this in something and I don't want to invest it in, you know, one of the standard things that are out there that I've been trained to invest in, which is like a savings account and all the stupid stuff like money markets and whatever. I had my 401k, which has now been rolled over into an IRA. So I think it's just because I had the down payment. And then when you win, you know, a third or half of the down payment, you could pony up the rest. Then, you know, I said, let's give this a shot. It was very much, I don't exactly know what we're doing here. We didn't know uh, how to communicate with guests. We're, we're, I'm not bad. at. I'm actually very good at it. I mean, I'm, I was in a sales role. So I understand it's a customer service job along with understanding real estate. But, you know, I'd never owned a proper home like that before. I'd only owned condos. So, you know, there's still stuff we're figuring out, but, you know, I didn't know I'd never had a septic tank before, right? Now I think I own five septic tanks, right? So I don't know if that's somebody to be proud of or not. Somebody told me that (laughs) it's not how many properties you own it's how many toilets <laughs> that's that what they say okay I, i've I heard I, doors i haven't doors, heard the toilets. <laughs> i think i have about 20 something toilets right yes. you know so you know but we didn't know what we were doing right and we said we'll learn this as we go and we'll learn this from from podcasts and from just discovering what guests like and what they don't like and um you know after we did that property in 2016 we I think we got it live that year and started getting some guests the next year. We had something happen to us at that property, which, you know, almost sidetracked me. Um, and I almost decided never do this again because 
we had a pipe freeze up in New Hampshire. Pipes freeze a lot. Uh, well, they freeze everywhere. I guess they were freezing in Texas a couple of years ago, back when they had the deep freeze. You know, we knew that it was a, a potential frozen pipe risk because we were up there for New Year's with some friends. And I noticed that it had frozen. Thankfully, my sister-in-law said, you should have a, you should have a blow dryer here for women that stay here, like stuff that never occurred to me. So we had a blow dryer there. So thankfully, I was able to you know, blow dry the pipe. I was able to access it, knew exactly what pipe froze. But we had guests coming, and I was told, just tell them to leave it on a drip. So I had them leave it on a drip, and they didn't leave it on a drip. The pipe burst, water everywhere, all the way down to the basement. You know, it was just so disheartening. It was like, what have I done? Like, first of all, these guests are probably not happy. And second of all, I mean, the place is a mess now. Like, literally yeah. water everywhere. So, you know, so we had to work on it, repair that ourselves for about six weekends. And, you know, fixed the pipe, figured out what the problem was, got it back up and running, and, you know, didn't get sidetracked. And then again, the next year, we ended up having some extra money to invest. And a friend of mine was talking about a different market. So on a whim, we bought in that market too. And, you know, we still own that property. It's in Provincetown, Massachusetts. And then after that second one, that's probably when I was like, huh, this, this could be a thing. This works. Right? This works. The first one was a, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to figure it out. The second one was like, okay, I think I could say that I'm buying properties now. And then it just kind of takes off from there. But your first one was more of a personal use, right? So you just like almost house hacked that basically. And then, then you saw, sounds like, ah, oh, there's profit here. And mm-hmm. so your second one was not personal use. It doesn't sound like it was strictly for it the was- income. Well, I mean, the, we, we do like to use all of our properties when oh, we can. Oh, you use them all. I, okay. Yeah. I mean, like we, our, our philosophy at this point is like, we'll, we'll bounce around wherever there's availability of the properties. And we always like to appoint them as if we would want to stay there ourselves because we do stay there ourselves. So, you know, we don't have anything that we wouldn't want to stay in. Provincetown uh, is, it's an amazing market. It's on the tip of Cape Cod. It is like the gayest friendly place in the world. And that is not a secret. And the numbers do not work for people right now. If you want to buy in Provincetown, you are not going to cash flow. I can guarantee it. But, you know, a lot of people buy in in Provincetown to say that they have a place in P-Town and they want their costs covered as much as possible because they want to use the place themselves. It's like a classic Mm -hmm. New England beach market. So really the, the name of the game there with new people coming into the market or people that own there is how much money can I make? Maybe I'll make some money. We actually do cash flow in P-Town because we got in early enough. But And we, we had intended to use that property as well. We were living in Boston at the time, and the drive to P-Town was just over two hours, plus there was a ferry if I wanted to take that. The drive to our place in New Hampshire was about an hour and a half, so we were kind of equidistant between the two. And since there were two distant markets, I was able to get second home loans for both, you know, like using W-2 income. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. You know, I don't think you could do that if they're all in the same market because then the bank's going to be like, wait a second, you know, this is another second home. Yeah. So we had two second home loans on those amazing rates. And we were going to use P-Town more, but we ended up adopting our daughter a few months after we we purchased P-Town and put it up for rent. So we ended up renting it more than we use it. We do go down there at least three times a year. Like we were there a couple of weeks ago for family week, which is a you know big week on the Cape as, as part of the Provincetown community. 
and we're very connected to Provincetown. Like, you know, we've been there a lot, especially having owned this place, but we realized that, you know, having a, a you know, she's now four, it kind of makes it tough to do those weekend totally. trips down to P-Town. So, you know, so we end up just renting it as much as we can, and then we'll take any any weeks that are not rented and, you know, fits in our calendar, we'll bounce down there. And then we, we have to block off family week. You know, any any summer weeks in P Town, if if your place doesn't rent, you're you're doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. just got it, similar to you. We just got one in Summit County, Colorado, which is a huge ski area. Mm-hmm. Same exact thing, just to use it. And I was like, so excited! This is gonna be my first summer with it. I was gonna use it, and it just rented the entire summer, so we didn't even get to use it one so we're trying to balance now like blocking your own property out sounds like what you have to do just so we can experience it also so um, yeah yeah, i share that with you everyone does it a little bit differently i mean a lot of people in my world co-host properties that they don't own so you know they don't really have the whim to be able to use them but if you are if you're an owner yourself if you're an investor yes you probably want to make as much money as possible on the property if you're going to buy a second home to be able to use it you should use it. Like, however, right. realize that when you're using it, there's an opportunity cost for money that you could be making otherwise. So it's just kind of a bit of a care, careful balance. I think it's important still to have a pulse on the community and the properties. I mean, like the places that we operate in, we do know those communities. Provincetown is one, Baxter Lake in New Hampshire, which is Farmington, New Hampshire is two. And the third one is Guilford, New Hampshire, which is Lake Winnipesaukee, uh, a little bit further north from Farmington. And we feel very connected to all those communities because we know the communities, because we spend time there, spend time at the house. We know our neighbors. We employ our neighbors sometimes. You know, so we basically, we're not just buying in a, you know, throw a dart in the market of the month and buying properties there and then reading up on it on Google and maybe you get to go there once. Like, you know, we, we do feel a connection to our properties. And that's just how we've chosen to do it. The Real Estate Educators Podcast is brought to you by Pine Financial Group. Pine Financial Group is a private lender specializing in value-add bridge lending for real estate investors. This is accomplished by raising private money from individual investors and lending that money out in short-term real estate loans. Pine operates one of the coolest public mortgage funds on the market because it brings consistency and security to your investment portfolio without giving up on returns. The fund pays its investors a flat 8% return with monthly distributions. There is a low minimum investment and no lockup period. That's right. You can request all of your money back at any time without any fees. Diversify your portfolio out of Wall Street and into Main Street with the Pine Financial Group Public Fund, PFG Fund 5. Find out more at pinefinancialgroup.com. That's pinefinancialgroup.com. And real estate created for you sounds like the opportunity to use them. Like not everybody, what, you get two, three weeks off a year. Not everyone can do that, right? And you can work remote? Well, yeah. So, you know, fast forward a little bit. I mean, COVID hits in 2020. And we had two properties at the time, P-Town and the one in New Hampshire I've described. Back when the world closed and nobody knew it was going to happen, like I remember distinctly, it was St. Patrick's Day weekend in Southie, which is the biggest weekend of the year for that neighborhood, my old neighborhood. We actually still are connected to Southie because Rory's office is there. We own a commercial condo in South Boston. So, you know, we're still Boston property 
property taxpayers. The parade in Southie is a big, big, big deal for St. Patrick's Day. Well, you know, this is when COVID's about to hit. Nobody's paying attention to what the mayor is saying. Their bars are packed and lines out the door. And I remember we were getting that office ready to launch and open because we just purchased that office the previous winter. So we're literally painting it, wallpapering, getting it ready. And uh, I said to Rory, I'm like, let's just drive. Let's, let's take Broadway home. Let's just drive the long way home. And I saw these lines at the door and I'm like, this is not going to end well. And the next day the mayor's on TV scolding everybody, you know, and then all the closures started to happen. And that's when we said, we're out of here. So the, um, the slowest time for us in New Hampshire is March and April. We call it the mud season. There's really nothing. There's no skiing, not beautiful summer. There's no peeping. It's kind of muddy. So my calendar was pretty open, frankly. And I said, let's get out of Boston before they close the city. Like I didn't know if they were going to close the borders or what, but you know, our daycare closed shortly thereafter uh, for the better part of three months. And we just took off. We went up to New Hampshire. I think I came back to Boston three or four times in, in the three month period. We just lived up there, which I think was a great way to kind of clear our heads, get away, try to see what was happening with, you know, the early months of COVID, which if you recall, were just completely insane. Oh, I um, our our calendar in Provincetown completely unbooked, you know, because nobody knew it was happening. So now we're sitting there saying, geez, I have two more mortgages to pay and no bookings. Like, what do I do? But we, you know, you just, you're patient. And, you know, once things started kind of reopening, the calendars rebooked really, really quickly. And, um, you know, we were able to pay the bills, which was good. But that allowed us some time to work on the property too. So we did some improvements while we were up there. We, you know, built a patio and walkway and, you know, changed the outdoor space around a little bit, did some more landscaping. It was a good way to kind of stay in shape. You guys are handy. We were handy. We needed things to do. We got our fingers dirty and we, we built stuff that improved the property. That's awesome. I would, I would love to chat with you more about this. So we're going to have to have you back on Jason, but I want to get into the podcast because that's been an important piece for you, it sounds like, and you've yep. got some benefit from it. So tell us about the podcast. So it's the Real Estate Law Podcast. I think we're about 120 episodes deep at this point. Your episode came out just a couple months ago, I believe. And we launched this thing back in 2019, uh, just as a way for Rory to build some credibility, because at the time, I wasn't the one in the space. It was just a side hustle for me. And Rory's a real estate attorney and a real estate broker in Massachusetts and New Hampshire. And I was like, yeah, this is a good way to, you know, build yeah. some credibility up. So we did eight, eight episodes, all audio, and then we had the baby, right? So she came and we're like, all right, this is going to go on the shelf for a little bit. Two years later, in the middle of COVID, we're like, let's relaunch this thing. Like, it's stupid. We're not doing it. So we decided to launch it again as a video podcast with episode nine, which came out in 2021. We did about 10 episodes with just the two of us bantering and bickering. And then we started inviting guests on around episode 20. And the guests just got better and better and better as time went on. And we got better as hosts, I think. You know, people seem to like our conversations. We talk about things that are just all over the map. You know, we talked a lot about passive income when, when you came on and, and different forms of, of making money. Uh, we don't always talk about law, even though the word law is in the podcast. You know, we like to keep it light and nobody wants to hear an entire podcast about law. So we'll, we'll, we'll sprinkle in some legal things here and there, but you know, it's really about, you know, finding your space, mindset, financial freedom, 
short-term rentals, long-term rentals, uh, passive income. You know, we just had an attorney on that was talking about how to protect yourself through a variety of different LLCs. We talk about personal branding. I mean, it's just a whole variety of different topics and it has opened up so many conversations for us. You know, we get to meet people like yourself, Kevin, who, uh, you know, you were a fantastic guest. We learned so much from people like you and, you know, we like to keep those conversations going as time goes on. So we, we almost feel like it's been a, a cheat code and a way that we get, you know, 30, 45 minutes, an hour of somebody's time that we've never talked to if we didn't have them on our podcast. And then, you know, we promote them heavily afterward. And I should say, we just joined a podcast network, a network called hospitality.fm. It's run by a guy named Will Slickers. And it's awesome. This podcast about, you know, hospitality is kind of his background. But, you know, he met a lot of the short-term rental people back when Clubhouse was a thing. If you remember Clubhouse a couple of years that's ago. Still, that, I was just on Clubhouse not that long ago, but I didn't even heard of it. Oh, you were the one that was on there. No, just kidding. <laughs> it, uh, it, no, it, that was a big thing back when it was locked down, right? You know, Clubhouse, yeah, everyone's doing these audio right. conversations. So Will met a bunch of other, like, you know, power players in the STR space, and they got talking, and eventually he added them to his podcast network. Uh, and he's got a bunch of other different podcasts on there about, you know, various facets of real estate and hospitality. And, and we just joined it this year. It's been a great partnership so far, you know, just additional exposure, you know, more access to great guests, uh, hopefully some sponsor dollars at some point. You know, we're really cool. doing this for credibility and labor of love at this point. But yeah, so I'll look change. into that. Yeah. And you've gotten some credibility and you've, you've talked about some of your benefits. So how, like, how did you do it? How, when do you, I got so many questions for you. Let me keep, start with one. Keep going. Yeah. So if, uh, how often do you post episodes and is there a normal cadence and are you consistent with it? Yeah. So I am the executive producer. I, I will wear that badge proudly. Rory just kind of lets me do my thing. You know, obviously we live together, we're married, but like constantly I will quote episodes with him. I'm like, oh, you know, because I'm doing a lot with social media. Like we have, we have an assistant also that helps with this. I have a producer um, who does the audio video production. And then we have an assistant that helps with some of our scheduling of the social media and some other things uh, with our businesses. So I was kind of helping him through the scheduling of a lot of the short clips that we produce afterward that we take out of the episode. So I get to kind of rewatch this stuff all the time. Like after an episode goes live or right before it goes live, I used to listen to the entire episode and go through the transcript myself. You know, it was just a lot of time I was spending on it. So a couple of things I've had to offload, but we do post every single week. With podcasting, the secret is consistency is what I was told. And then it's what I've discovered as well. So if you commit to it and you set a schedule and you take it seriously, it, then you're going to be fine. You're going to be successful. But if it's the kind of thing that you you keep scratching off your calendar or you keep not finding time for, you know, you're not going to have a successful podcast because people, we don't have people that are sitting back waiting for us to release an episode. It's not, it's not like that, but we're taken seriously if we do it all the time. So we have friends and family all the time that mentioned to us that they heard an episode or they saw that we were doing it. I don't know how many episodes they listened to, but somebody's listening to something and then there's other people out there in the world that are listening because we hear from folks who want to be on the podcast 
and I didn't solicit them. Like they're all coming in. I'll get inbound emails you know, a number of times a week for people that want to be on. So, you know, I manage all the guest bookings. We do everything through Zoom, you know, keep it really simple, just like this. We offshore the production to our producer where we just send the audio and he cleans everything up and gets us back full episodes. And, you know, we post these basically every Tuesday. And has Rory seen an uptick in business? I mean, obviously credibility, that's a given, but is he getting leads? Is he getting some benefit? Yeah, we, we, we got a bunch throughout. Like he'd hear from some agents who might want to work with him. You know, I don't know if a couple probably came aboard as a result of the podcast kind of opening the door. What happened recently, though, is we moved up to Newburyport, Massachusetts, which is about 40 miles north of Boston. It's a coastal community right near the border of New Hampshire. We, you know, just want to kind of move out of the city now that we have a daughter and she'd be entering the school system. So, you know, we're, we're kind of analyzing everything in our lives. He's only going back to the office a couple of days a week at this point. You know, he's doing some more remote work and he started to want to do a little bit more work close to home. So he, you know, through our network, he's starting to partner up with some other law firms that are more prevalent throughout New Hampshire and up here. And he found his way to a law firm called Hudkins Law. He's doing some just, you know, contract work at this point with them, but it could turn into something else if things, if everyone thinks it's the right fit. But Hudkins was just opening up an office in Newburyport, and they have an interest in building out Boston. And the podcast plays into this because the owner who I met, she's super nice, Jackie Hudkins, loves the podcast. Like, when I met her, you know, she made her husband and son listen to the podcast on the entire drive over to the meeting just that's to awesome. like meet us. And I was like, really? Like, you like what we have to say? Like, that's, that's you got to be proud of that, right? Very flattering. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know how many other lives we touch, you know, as a right. result of that. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of other people that listen to what you have to say and what we have to say. And, you know, if, if they could take a couple nuggets from it, then then we've done our job. But, you know, really, I see this the intent was to build credibility, frankly. It was build credibility for Rory, and I was going to help with that since I had the broadcasting background. And now it's to help redefine myself, you know, because early on in this episode, I was talking about imposter syndrome and, you know, redefining who I am. The past year, I've made it a very intentional mission to recast myself in this space and be the person I want to be now and going forward in the real estate investing world rather than the world that I just left, which I loved the media, but, you know, it was time to move on. So the podcast is kind of helping me also recast myself and to build some credibility in this space because people certainly listen and hear what I have to say. And, you know, right. most of what I have to say is okay. Some of it is completely stupid, I'm sure, but I don't have to lean back on the degree or a license and say, well, I'm not licensed. I don't have a you know JD. Like I'm just kind of this real estate investor on the side. But anyway, it's helped with credibility. It really has. And I think that like the big the big cash-ins are happening, are probably going to happen in the coming year. Hospitality.fm was a big one. Rory looking up with that law firm was another big yeah. one. That's you huge. know, just just landed a couple hosts from Bigger Pockets on our podcast. Dave was today. I have another one coming up. So, you know, who knows where it's going to lead, but I, I just feel like I can point to this library of stuff that we put a lot of work into when I go to lenders, right? When I go to potential clients, if I want to open up a co-hosting business, when I go to other people that 
might want to do business with me, I could say, well, take a look at this podcast that we do. Yeah. And or if that you're should raise capital, maybe like if you're going to try raise... to expand. And... Well, I'll have to call you and you can help me with that. <laughs> <laughs> We're not there yet, Kevin, but you know, if, if, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I, yeah. I think that those are all potential things that could happen. And having a library of content that we've worked very, very hard on and had amazing guests like yourself on, I think that will do nothing but help. Like, no one's going to look at that and be like, oh, you're bad podcasters or you don't have good guests or you're, you're saying bad stuff that, that doesn't make any sense. We're not. We know that we're not. We know it's pretty good. It's not the best, but we're That's trying great. really hard. Yeah. I love how you have the, you guys do that together because the two hosts, it just, it adds a dynamic to it that, you know, a lot of people don't do that. And I really enjoyed, enjoyed it. And I like the podcast a lot. So if you're listening to this, check it out. How, how do we find it? Well, the real estate law podcast.com. Yeah. I mean, we're on iTunes and Spotify are kind of the two big places, but if you, if you Google the real estate law podcast, you should find us. It's a big orange logo with the words, the real estate law podcast. All right. Well, we're going to have to wrap up here in a minute, Jason, but I do want to ask this. I love asking this question. So tell me what has real estate done for you? Oh my God. What has it done? It gave me a second career after my first career said that I was done with it. That's amazing. I mean, like, you know, I, if, if I didn't have the real estate that we've been working on since 2016, you know, when my job ended last year, I would have had to have gotten another big, big boy job. But instead, I didn't have to do that because basically I was going to leave anyway. They just beat me to it. And I said, all right, it's go time now. Now I get to be the entrepreneur that I'm going to be in, in the, you know, the second chapter of my life. And it gives you freedom. You know, we're all looking for time freedom, financial freedom. I've worn shorts every day for three months. Yes. Straight, yes. Right. You know, Love like it. I and, and and I'm no less productive and I'm affecting the lives of the people that stay at our properties. Hopefully somebody who's listening to this is getting inspired or we've said something that might make them, you know, want to change their trajectory. We answer to ourselves. Right. You know, so, you know, we're the ultimate arbiter as to whether or not something is right or wrong. But the real estate investing community, we've said this, I've said this so many times on our podcast, and I tell everybody this. It is the complete opposite of the world in which I just came from, where, you know, every, yeah, every, you know, corporate America is tough, right? And especially the media world where jobs get consolidated every quarter. You know, if it's musical chairs, a couple chairs get taken away every single quarter. They're not adding jobs. This is not a secret. The real estate investing world, everyone wants to help each other. They just do. You know, at some point, people are competitors, but I've never felt like I've talked to somebody where they didn't want to share information with me because they had a secret deal they were afraid that I was going to get, right? We're all in it to help each other. And, you know, we surround ourselves with, people that can lift us up, can inspire us, can teach us stuff. Again, I, I liked a lot of my older coworkers, but it just wasn't that space. You know, if people wanted to get that next job up, you're competing with a bunch of other people that are probably your peers and people that you don't know. I'm not doing that now, right? Like I haven't set an alarm in three years. I mean, I was up at 430 this morning, but that's just my body. But you know, you don't feel because you're loving what you're doing. You're you're enjoying yeah. life. 
It's easy to yeah. get out of bed when you're when you're enjoying it. And I gotta say, it it sounds so cliche, and like I just don't want to come across as one of those podcast guys that we all listen to, where we're like, oh, like how do you reach that point? I've heard those podcasts, you know, back in 2015, 16, 17, when we were saying that would be cool, wouldn't that be cool? You got to work at it, right? Like it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a lot of time, a lot of patience, a lot of work, finding the right deal. You know, no deal is better than a bad deal. So don't get into bad deals. Great advice. And, you know, look out three to five years. You know, it's going to be tough to find stuff today that is going to cash flow out of the gate. It's out there, but you know I'm not finding it because I'm not looking right now. I've just consciously chosen to reinvest in our properties as our next iteration of our business. So, you know, but we're fortunate that we got in earlier into the short-term rental game, and we're in appreciating markets, and our properties are cash flowing. So I can take some risks, right? A property that we did last year, maybe it'll break even this year, but. We did a big cost segregation study on it. We have tax benefits right now. Uh, it did go up in value. And I, I have a three to five year horizon where I'm looking out saying, okay, well, in three to five years, like this is going to be a really good investment. Like right now, it's fine, but in a few years, it'll be great. So have that foresight. Yeah, I love the advice. Like I, I can just get chills hearing like how real estate is changing people's lives. And you're no different. It's it's producing the results that you would expect when you put in the effort, as you as you elegantly said. Um, so, Jason, I really appreciate everything. Thanks for coming on the show. Is there any last words of wisdom or pieces of advice you'd want to share? I mean, I, I feel like we've shared a lot in this episode. I mean, I would say if you haven't gotten started, you know, don't again, don't go into a bad deal just to start getting into the game. But you have to get into the game. I, I hate saying the word game, but people say it all the time in this world, right? Yeah. I did say, though, that you need to find a way to diversify your income. You know, if you're working in a W-2 job and that's all you have, like figure out today what that next income stream is going to be. It could be something simple. It could be a couple hundred bucks a month, but it'll get you thinking about, you know, having multiple income streams. The fact uh, that, you know, when my job ended last year and I lost that income stream, Sure, I wanted it, but now I had 40 hours a week plus back to reinvest in myself and figure out how to make that income back. And by the end of this year, we'll have made it back, you know, you know, within 12 months. Awesome. And you're having more fun, it looks like. Infinitely. Infinitely. It's not, <laughs> not even a question. I don't commute. I don't commute. I mean, like all that time in the car stuck, you know, hour long commutes. I did not have an hour long commute back when I lived in Boston. It was a seven minute commute. But the office moved. If I was driving from Newburyport out to where that office was, that would be an hour plus each way in bumper to bumper traffic. And I got to tell you, Kevin, I did that drive last December with a screaming toddler in my back seat, And oh, that that I've combination of bumper to bumper plus the child was like, I want zero to do with being stuck in this traffic. I am so happy I'm not doing that for me right now. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, Jason. Um, I really would love to have you back if you're open to it so we could get, dig more into the short-term rental. I know it's a hot topic. Yep. People are loving that that strategy. It's shifting a little bit with interest rates going up, a lot more inventory, all of that. So I want to get into all of that with you in a future episode. Absolutely. I'm happy to come back. I warn you, Kevin, though, I could just keep talking. So I'm <laughs> a, know, I'm a talker know. here. 
It's awesome. And I'm looking at the time and we really like to keep these around 30 minutes. As you know, it seems like that's a good sweet spot and we've, we're over that. So yeah, we'll just keep having you back, man. I love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Happy All to. right. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. Appreciate everything. And this is Kevin Amos. We'll see you on the next one. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you did, please be sure to follow and leave us a review. Oh yeah. And tell a friend.